time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 15, verse 12. Let's pray together and let's go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you so grateful to be your disciples in 2011. God, we're so privileged that you have redeemed us and you have saved us from sin. God, we want desperately to live like Jesus in the here and the now. We want, Lord God, to see high schools in this city filled with the light of the glory of the gospel through teenagers taking the good news to them. We ask that you would help us to be authentic missionaries. Not just when we go on trips to the Caribbean, but every day here in Colorado Springs. God, we want to love you and we want to love people with all that we have. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We, uh, we've been talking uh, in this series, Love Plus Love. We've been talking about the first and second commandment. And in the sense that Jesus said in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And tonight, I want to focus in on that last piece again and talk about loving people. Talk about loving until it hurts. So tonight, the title of my talk is Love Them Till It Hurts. A number of years ago, I was in the mountains of Mexico with Britt Hancock. And now, by now, most of you know Brother Britt. He's a uh, missionary. Uh, from, he's actually from, uh, he, he, he's from Alabama. And uh, he went down and began his own work in the, in the hills, in the mountains of Mexico. And uh, the way that, that his, his mission works is that he'll go in and he'll start a church He'll lead people to Christ. Then he'll designate one guy a pastor. And he'll then go to another village, hike to a village, start another church, lead a few people to Christ, designate a pastor, walk, go to another village, start a church. And so he does this all through the mountains and all through the villages in Mexico. And so he, he invited some of us to come down, some pastors. It was a pastor's trip. There's like seven pastors. We went down there and we were down in Mexico, we were going from village to village, and one of the things that takes place in the villages is that in every village they feed you. And so, no matter what, we're going to eat. That's what we do in the village. And so, we would get to the village, and every single time, the very first thing that you do is you sit down, and they feed you. And it's not like, you know, it's not like Chipotle. I mean, it's not like, it, 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 it's rough. It's, the, the food was pretty rough for me, you know, like, I, 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 I'm kind of, you know, I'm a kind of a city kid, and. I'm down here, you know, down in Mexico, and I was starting to struggle with this food. So Britt was like kind of encouraging me, David, you can do this. And, you know, he's kind of got a snarl. He's like, you know, kind of cowboy, Jesus freak, you know, and mustache, and he boots, and he'd be like, David, you can do this, you know, that kind of thing. But so, so it, you know, we'd, we'd go from village to village, and one day it was super hot. It was really, really hot. But it was raining at the same time. And I mean, I was sweating like crazy. And it was pretty rough. We got to this village. And it was probably, I don't remember how many villages exactly we'd been to that day. But I had had multiple meals that day. And every single one of them made me want to throw up. And that's just being true. I just, I, just, I hated the food. I couldn't handle it. It was, it was killing me. You know, I was like, God, take me back to Chili's, you know, in Colorado Springs. I'm desperate. I was singing that song, actually. Ha, 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 ha. I'm desperate for Chili's. But anyway, so I was dying. But. We get, to, uh, we get to this last village and we're standing there 
And you don't, like, we wouldn't eat sitting down. We would eat standing up. I'm wearing a poncho. It's raining. I'm sweating. I've been eating this, these food, these different meals all day in different villages. We've been doing this for quite a few days in a row. And I'm standing there, and I get that feeling inside, like, like I'm going to throw up. Like, this is killing me. And so it's like I'm eating this thing, and it's, 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 a, it, it, it's fried and, and chewy. Really chewy. And so I said to Britt, I leaned over, and I knew he'd be mad, but I, but, but I, I was going to risk it anyway. And I said, what, what is this we're eating? And he goes, I don't know, roadkill, armadillo. <laughs> and something about him saying that, it's just like, oh, 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 oh. I, I mean, I, 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 I believe, I mean, I, I had no idea. I mean, I think it was armadillo. And... Uh, and I'm dying. I mean, I, I mean, it's funny now, but it was not funny then. I mean, I, I thought, this is, this is how I'm going to die right here, you know. And then there was the moment that just destroyed me. He gets this, he can tell that I'm, hurt, uh, that I'm you know, he would always call me a city kid. He'd be like, you city kid? You know, like, like being from the city was like being related to the devil, you know. Like, you know, like city kid, you know. And he, and, and he leans over and then he says this phrase to me and I'll never forget it. He goes, eat it. He goes, come on, man. How much do you love Jesus? <laughs> and listen, I had a theological education. Everything inside of me thought, this has nothing to do with loving Jesus. <laughs> I'm sick of eating armadillo, brother. That's all that's going on inside of me. But deep in his heart, here's the reality. He's spending his life trying to reach these people. And culturally, if you don't eat the food, then you're rejecting the cult. You're rejecting the village. So if you, don't, if you don't eat it, if I didn't eat it, then I was damaging the work of taking the gospel to this village. So when he looked at me and said, how much do you love Jesus? Inside of his heart was, this is the way you demonstrate love in Jesus right now. Eat armadillo fat right now. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going on inside of his heart. What's going on inside of his mind is the way that you will demonstrate loving God is by loving these people. And the way in this moment to love these people is to eat the armadillo in front of you, boy. That's what was going on. And I remember at that moment, it was hard. I mean, it was really, it was tough. And, and so, you know, I, I, was, I was just taking these pieces and I was, I've, I mean, I've never swallowed whole such things before. I mean, I was not chewing. I was like, and I began to say, I love you, God, you know, and just in my pain and misery, you know, right there, swallowing armadillo somewhere in the mountains of Mexico. Tonight, I want to just look at us and I want us to take this idea where, where Jesus tells us to love other people. A lot of times, we like to unpackage that in a way that's comfortable for us. We like to love people according to how we like to love people, you know? I mean, I was a kid and I was like, hey, I do love people. The way that I love people is back in Colorado Springs, I'm nice to people. I smile and say hi at church. That's how I love people. But it's very uncomfortable for me to eat armadillo fat somewhere in Mexico. That's a different kind of loving people and I'm not comfortable doing that, Right? And what we tend to do is we tend to say, I'll love people as long as I'm comfortable in it. As long as I can be comfortable loving people the way that I'm comfortable loving people, then that's how I'll love people. But of course, the way that Jesus demonstrated loving us wasn't comfortable. The way that Jesus lived, 
It wasn't comfortable. I take my kids to school every day. I have a, a kindergartner and a first grader. And so we go through the same routine every day. The first thing that we do is we talk about what we praise God for. And so my little boy, Dawson, he says the same thing every day. He says, I praise God that he's omniscient. And I'll say, uh, that's good. What does that mean? And Dawson will go, it means he knows everything. And then he says that every day, omniscient. He's just got it memorized. He knows it makes me happy. And he says it every day. <laughs> Olivia, every day she goes, I praise God that he's omnipotent. I'll say, what does that mean? She goes, he's all powerful. She's memorized it. She knows it. It's like heckle and jekyll, omniscient and, um, uh, and, uh, and omnipotent. They say the same thing every day. And, and I think it's great because if, you know, the only thing I can drill in their heads in, as kindergartners and first graders is that God knows all things and is all powerful. That's a win, right? Second thing we go to is what are we thankful for? And so then they'll say every day, they say, I'm thankful for you, dad. And I'm like, I'll take that every day. <laughs> every day they say, we're thankful for you. I were thankful. I go, I'm thankful for you. All right. And then we go all the way through the very last thing that we do. We go through different scriptures and different things like that. The very last thing we do is every day I challenge them to be intentionally kind to one kid in their class. And one of the things that I've picked up on, this is November you know, 16th today, so they've, we've been doing this now for two and a half months. I've noticed the tendency in them to, to say the name of a kid that they're going to love that already likes them, that's already one of their friends. Like they never say, you know, the kid that they hardly know. They talk about the kids. And because when, when I ask for the backstory on why that kid, they'll say, well, they're my friend. Well, he's my friend. Well, she's my friend. Why? Because it's easy to like people that like you. It's easy to love people that love you. You and I, we have a tendency to love when it's easy. To love people when it's convenient. But tonight, I want to encourage us to step out of our comfort zone and love the unlovable, love the hurting, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you're sweating and swallowing armadillo fat, even when it's difficult. That's what we see in Jesus. It's interesting when we read about Jesus. Here's Jesus. and Of course, Jesus is the perfect picture of how to love people for us. And you know the story well, where Jesus is about to embrace the cross, seated with his friends. These are his friends. This is more than just like, you know, 12 figures that are going to be in picture Bibles one day that Michelangelo will paint. These are... This is, these are his buds. These are the guys he's invested his life in. These are the ones that have looked at him and said, we'll die for you. We love you. You can imagine the moment where they're sitting at the upper room. And Jesus says, one of you is to betray me. Judas gets up. He leaves the room. Not long after that, they're in the garden. And Judas comes. And he's got an army behind him. And Jesus says, come what you've come here for. And Judas leans over and kisses Jesus. We know it as the the kiss of betrayal. And you know what's interesting? If you read it, I think it's in Matthew 25. Maybe 26. Jesus calls Judas friend. Matthew 26. Can you imagine that? Here's the one who betrays him. I mean, the one who is his friend, and he betrays him. And Jesus doesn't look at him and go, you punk. 
You, he looks at him, he calls him friend. I tell you, Judas was unlovable. Judas was a hard person to love in that moment. And yet Jesus, he looks at Judas. And Matthew 26, 50, he calls him friend. He says, friend. I mean, I can imagine Jesus on the cross. He's been whipped. He's been betrayed. He's been whipped and beaten. He's been, he stood in front of a crowd. And the very people that he ministered to doesn't cry free Jesus. They cry free Barabbas. And when it comes to Jesus, they yell, crucify him. And then Romans, you know, they, they whip and beat Jesus and put him on a cross. Of course, you know the story. Spikes in his hands and feet. Kind of thorns on his head. There he is, hanging there. And out of the heart of Jesus comes this. Oh, these pathetic people, I'm so mad at them. No. Out of the heart of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. In the moment where surely, surely he should have been angry and cried out to God, God, smite them. (laughs) Destroy them. Instead, he says, forgive them. He's our example. We see it again in Jesus after Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the dead. He has a conversation with Peter. Of course, Peter is the one that denied him three times. They're eating breakfast on the beach. John 21. Jesus doesn't look at Peter and yell at him and say, you said, you said, you said that you would die for me. You said that you were with me and you pathetic loser. You did not do that. I can't stand you, Peter. Why would you stab me in the back? Steady looks at Peter. And he says, feed my sheep. I still believe in you. I love you. John 20, breathes the Holy Spirit into him. Gives Peter a fresh start. There's really only one person that is personified. Loving the unlovable and loving people. Perfectly. And it's Jesus. And the intriguing thing about Jesus is that when he's looks at us, and he looks at you, and he looks at the disciples. He's looking at the disciples, and he makes this statement. John 15, 12, he says, my command is this. Here it is. You probably know this well. You probably have it memorized. My command, not my encouragement, not my challenge, my command. We don't like commands in American culture. How dare you command me? I am my own God, right? Anybody commands anything, we're like, oh, we get mad. But those of us who have said, submitted our lives to Jesus, when our commanding officer makes a command, we listen. Right? When Jesus, our commander, the one that we've given everything to, the one who we follow, when he gives a command, we listen. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. So these ways that I've just communicated of the way that Jesus loved, he loved his disciples. He loved Judas, the one who betrayed him. He loved the people. He loved Peter, who had lapses of weakness, but never fully gave up. 
And Jesus looks at us and he says, the way that I love people, the way that I love you, that's how I want you to love each other. That's how I want you to love people. The way that I love people is how I want you to love people. So we've been marinating together for quite a few weeks in God's love for us and reciprocating love for God. And then we've been talking about how to love others. And last week we talked about how to love people as well. Tonight I want you to lock in with this. The command from our commanding officer is that we love like Jesus loved. And that is going to be in uncomfortable moments. That's going to be loving people till it hurts. Mother Teresa said, I have found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no no more hurt, only more love. If you love until it hurts. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 46, he said, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? It's easy for us to love people that love us. It's hard to sacrifice and give and love to people that either can't love back or didn't love you first. But that's what, that's what we get to be. We get to, instead of saying, all right, you love me first. You love me first so that I can love you. That's what our culture says. If you love me, then I'll love you. Then we'll be okay. Here's who we are. We've already been loved first. He loved us first so we can just be a conduit of love to others. We don't have to try to get it from other people. Love me, love me, love me, love me, love me, love me. And then I'll love you back. We've already been loved, 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 loved. And it just flows right to other people. You've already been loved. To the greatest extent that love is possible, you've been loved. You are loved to the greatest degree that love exists. You you are loved. So because you're loved, you're not in search of other people to love you so that you can love them. He already loved you first. Because he loves you, we love him and... We get to be loved to other people. And I want to challenge you tonight to love even when it hurts. And the thing is, is you got to have people in your mind that you can run movies in your mind right now that you as a Christ follower, you could say, this person is hard for me to love, but I'm loving them intentionally right now with the good news of Jesus. I'm not just talking about Christians, although we do have plenty of, you know, people that are Christians that we know that we got to love and they're hard to love. But I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus, that are hard to love, that you are intentionally loving them. You are intentionally serving them. You are intentionally trying to be kindness to them. Romans 2, 4 says that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. The kindness of God causes us to go, I repent. Let me tell you, if you demonstrate the kindness of God over and over and over and over and over again to someone in time, they will repent of their sin and they'll say, I want to follow your commanding officer. I want to live like you live. I want to follow the one you follow. Love till it hurts. Love him when it hurts. If it does, if you're, there's no one in your life that you're loving, that you're going after, and it's hard, get someone, because that's the command from Jesus. Elizabeth Elliot is one of my heroes. She was a, a student at Wheaton Bible College. Wheaton's near Chicago in 1950s. 1953, she married Jim Elliot. The two of them decided that they were going to try to reach unreached people. So they picked out a tribe in Ecuador. It was a tribe famous for hurting people, for being a very violent tribe. They didn't have the gospel in their own language, and so her and her husband, Jim Elliot, 
They began to try to learn their, the language and they wanted to try to translate the scriptures into the language of the people. And they began to put all of their attention on this, this tribe in Ecuador. She got married to Jim Elliott. They were, high, they were college sweethearts. They got married. They decided they were going to be missionaries. They went to Ecuador. And Jim and a few other guys went in and they were trying to connect with the people, with the tribal people. And of course, they knew that it was dangerous work, but that's what they had signed up for. And they loved Jesus and they knew that Jesus told them to take the gospel to the world. So they signed up and they went. And while Jim Elliott was out trying to minister to these men in this village in Ecuador that he and his wife had been, been preparing to reach for years. They speared him to death. This young 28-year-old, Jim Elliott, man who had raised up 24-hour prayer at Wheaton while he was there for the nations, dead at 28, left this young bride, mid-20s, so Elizabeth Elliot decided, well, these people have killed my husband. Better get out of here or they'll come kill me, right? No, she stayed. She stayed and she continued to try to reach the people that had killed her husband. She began to rally the women that were there to stay. Love them till it hurts. Loving the tribe that killed your husband. Years later, she would get to see many of them come to Christ. She demonstrates what it means to love. Love even when it hurts. Love them till it hurts. Love when it's hard. You and I know, you and I know how hard it is to love unlovable people. We tend to hang out in a place where we do what's comfortable. Tonight, I want to say, we've, we've talked about God loving us. We have great moments where we're all down here and we're talking about how God loves us and we want to love God. And one of the greatest expressions for you to say, I'm going to demonstrate my love for God is to love people. Amen. What seemed to me like a crazy statement by Britt Hancock in Mexico how much do you love Jesus? Today makes total sense to me. If you love these people, eat this armadillo. Not comfortable for me. If you love your school, if you want to love people, do what's uncomfortable. David, but it's not comfortable to talk to them about Jesus. David, it's not comfortable to invite them to DSM. David, it's not comfortable to invite them to retreat. David, it's not comfortable to invite them to go with us on, you know, to the Caribbean, whatever. I know. That's the point. The whole idea is that we would love people when, until it hurts. It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. It's going to be awkward. I want you to pick someone in your mind. You go, this year I'm going to love this person. I'm going to demonstrate kindness to them. Forgiveness to them. Intentional, but it seems to you like a random act of kindness. You just do it over and over again. When we think kindness, most of the time we think just kind of living our lives, being nice. I'm not talking about just being nice. I'm talking about intentional acts of kindness. Doing specific things. 
I had a friend in high school. He was brilliant, smart kid, played basketball. Six foot two, curly perm hair, cool guy. Today he's a doctor. So he's uh, gone through med school. He's very wealthy. He's a very successful doctor. But back then, he was just a high school kid like me. And uh, we went to two different high schools, went to the same church. And I remember at a service where he said, I- I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really start being intentional to love Daryl. Here's who Daryl was. Daryl was a kid in his high school who was the unlovable. He was the kid who was... Glasses were wrong. His fashion was wrong. He, his teeth were wrong. He would spit when he talked. Kids made fun of him. He was the kid that ate by himself. He was the kid that talked with his mouth open and you could see the food and everybody treated him like a disease. And Rick decided, I'm going to love Daryl. Rick was brilliant. Rick played sports. Rick was... Uh, in honors, all honors classes, never made a B in his life. And uh, you, you just being around Rick, you just, I mean, he was cool. He was instant success. He had lots of friends. And Rick decided, I'm a Christ follower. And if Jesus went to my school, Jesus would intentionally love Daryl. Daryl sat by himself every day at lunch. And so Rick left the cool table in the cafeteria. And Rick, during our senior year, began to sit by Daryl every day. And then he began a friendship with Daryl. And of course, Daryl was pretty excited. And within three or four days, Daryl called Rick his best friend. And he began to tell everybody that Rick Dewey was his best friend. So Rick Dewey and Daryl became friends. And before too long, Rick brought Daryl to church. Daryl drove the worst car I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Daryl showed up early, sat by Rick, began to talk like Rick, wanted to be like Rick. Rick began to just take care of Daryl. Wasn't too long before, within about three weeks, maybe a month, Daryl gave his life to Jesus. We had a big, you know, celebration. Everybody was excited for Daryl. Daryl gave his life to the Lord. Post high school, first year out of high school, I went off to college in Kansas City and Rick went overseas. Daryl stayed. The first year that we were out of high school, Daryl was in a car wreck and died. And I think, you know, Rick, cool Rick, basketball player, honor student, cool kid. He just decided to take the gospel literally. You know, like, you don't have to live in the rat race of trying to be cool, scared to death of what people think. Just gonna, I'm going to love the kid that nobody else loves. And it's going to hurt. It's going to cost me some lunches. It's going to cost maybe, you know, some of the other cool kids thinking I'm not that cool anymore. 
But you know, there's going to be a day where Rick's going to stand before Jesus with Daryl next to him. <laughs> and those cool lunches in high school aren't going to mean near for eternity what this guy that gave his life to Jesus because of Daryl's choice, because of Rick's choices. That's epic. Friends, we've got a little bit of time to love people. I'm not talking about nice. I'm not talking about smiles. Choices. Sitting at tables with the unlovable. Figuring out a way. Not just the people that like you first. Not just the click that says you're already accepted. No. I want to encourage you. Sacrifice. I want to encourage you to love till it hurts. Give. I don't know what that means for you. I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking on different levels to different people. For some of you, it is very similar to Rick's story. You're going to love the Daryl in your world. For some of you, it's getting out of your comfort zone. For some of you, it's just working hard and sacrificing and saving dollars to go to Trinidad and Tobago in March. And instead of kicking back for the next four months, you're going to work hard and save money and sacrifice so that we can go door to door and tell people who need to hear about Jesus. Let me tell you who my Savior is. It'll hurt. It'll hurt to save your Christmas money, but it's worth it. It'll save to not buy yet another Wii game, but it'll be worth it. It'll hurt to get the extra job working as a server somewhere or maybe a sandwich artist or maybe a barista, but it's worth it. I want to encourage you. God's put on our heart to take you guys overseas. We're going to do it. We're going in March. Our aim is we want to love people. We want to be what Jesus called us to be. I hope many of you go. I hope many of you begin to love Love your school. Love the kids in your school. Pick out. Don't, don't just kind of think, I'm going to just be a nice person. Listen. Jesus wasn't impressed with smiley, nice people. He was impressed with people that intentionally loved the hurting, the broken, the poor. In, our, in your context, those with no friends, the nerds, the cast. Those that are casted out, those are the ones. You, love, let's love. Imagine what happens if we became the youth group in town and there was no social structure. What if this was just a, 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 a love revolution? What if this was a place where there was one place in town where teenagers came and there was no he's cool, she's cool, he's not, she's not. From the Daryls to the Ricks, we're all one. What happens if there's no kind of levels? It's just we, if, what happens if we begin to be Ricks to our community? We begin to be Ricks to Lewis Palmer, to Palmer. Pick your school. Every single one, Rampart, we love them. We look, let's, let's, let's say, look, what, if, what if we forget just reaching the cool kids for a while? Let's just reach the broken ones. Let's just go after loving the ones who just need someone to be a demonstration of the love of Christ to them. You could do it. 
You know you could do it. That's the thing that's going on inside of you. It's right now, you know that's the easy, I mean, those cookies are on the bottom shelf. They're right there. Those are so easy to take. It is so easy for you to reach out and go, I could love the unlovable. But all your fear about will I be cool or not might keep you from it. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.